Hey everyone, Artisan here, or Carlos, or whatever you know me as. Uh, okay, so here is what is happening with a concept that I had for this podcast. And this has kind of been in my head for a minute now, and by that I mean probably like six months, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, I had expressed a, a while back on social media my interest in doing a podcast series where I rank every single Bring Me the Horizon song. And it, it, so initially, at, at the time of me planning that out, they had 93 original songs, and the plan was to do three parts and divide it into 31 songs for each part. So part one would have entailed 93 to 63, part two would have entailed 62 to 32, and then the final part, 31 to 1. That was the idea I had, and I, I thought it was not pretty cool, honestly. Um, and, and I'm not trying to say that I am like, you know, the ultimate Bring Me the Horizon fan or Bring Me the Horizon stand, super fan, whatever you want to call that, whichever term you want to apply to that. I am just saying that I'm somebody who has listened to that band extensively since my teenage years, and that goes, you know, far and, and far behind a time frame that I think most people listening to this podcast would have been exposed to the scene. This is not me gatekeeping Bring Me in any way. I, I hate that shit. You know, listen to what you want to listen to. Fuck what anyone else says. I'm just saying that I think I'm somebody with a, enough of an experience in, in terms of listening to that band and having seen their rise and then everything else that's happened in the last couple of years to them. I have a, a unique perspective on Bring Me the Horizon and I think my input is something that would translate well to a podcast series about their discography but then they announced last week that there is a brand new song called die for you coming out on september 16th and one would have to imagine that is the official start to the post-human 2 cycle so there is no way for me to actually finish uh ranking all the songs and uploading the episodes before September 16th. And even if I could, I wouldn't want to because the list would it immediately be thrown off and immediately be deemed irrelevant with the inclusion of Die For You. And then subsequently, the rest of Posthuman 2, whenever that is going to happen. Uh, I actually did start recording uh, the first part of that series. I'm not going to say how far along I got into it or how not far I got into it, but you know, there there was content recorded for the rankings. Um, I'm going to keep that on my laptop. I'm not going to, you know, do away with it. I'm not going to erase it. I'm not going to be like, oh, fucking, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, I will return to the Bring Me the Horizon project when the time is right. And by that, I mean more than likely after Posthuman 2 has been released and I've had enough time to sit down with that record and really digest the material and be able to formulate an opinion on where it ranks in comparison to the rest of Bring Me the Horizon's discography. Okay, so now that I've gotten that out the way, uh, on this episode, we got singles from the likes of Whitechapel, Don Broco, Bill Murray, and Eminence, and a couple more that I'm going to talk about in depth. And then it, it's a lighter week for records, but, and I said this on my Twitter, that I think this week kind of embodied quality over quantity and with uh all that in mind we have records from dead awake 
Jail Socks, Mosaic, and Home Safe. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the episode. Initially, my plan for this block of the episode was to kind of get into a conversation about elitism and gatekeeping, and all that was meant to be in regard to a photo of Kourtney Kardashian wearing a cannibal corpse shirt, and the strange but expected reaction that the metal community had towards that, um... And just the, I, I've never understood it, honestly. The, the mindset of like having such a, a visceral reaction to seeing somebody wear merchandise for a band that they don't listen to and, you know, throwing the word poser and and all that kind of stuff out there. Um, my personal opinion on something like that is I really, really don't give a shit. I think there are, so many things in this world that are worth you know getting actually irate over and wanting to you know stand against and make a change for wearing merchandise for a band you don't listen to is so fucking far removed from anything that i would deem a a, a real issue that we should be you know outraged over and up until yesterday, that was really the only news story that I had to present as an angle for talking about elitism and gatekeeping. Uh, but then something happened on Tuesday that uh, got a lot of people upset, and I would say rightfully so, just because of how unnecessary, uncalled for, unprovoked this thing was. So... Uh, there's a guy named Stephen Hill who writes for Metal Hammer, and what happened here is disappointing to me because Stephen Hill, a couple years ago, was on a podcast called That's Not Metal. He was co-hosting it with Bees, who, by all accounts, Bees is a a great dude. I've never seen anyone have a bad thing to say about him. Uh, I would say he is very open to like newer age music in the scene and so i don't want to lump bees into this discussion i'm just pointing out that he and stephen hill were on a podcast together i would listen to the podcast casually not weekly you know not religiously just every once in a while just check out what it was and the reason why i was just a casual listener and not somebody like so devoted to it was because it wasn't really for me uh both stephen and bees had not like dated mindsets but they clearly came from a, a time period that predates my involvement with the scene, and so they just had different opinions about things than I did, and that's totally fine. Having a different opinion is okay, and I want that to be kind of embedded in everyone's mind while I'm going on what might be, like, tangential. Um, and so listening to that podcast years ago, I never really got the feeling that Stephen Hill was 
like confrontational or argumentative. I, I grasped that he was, you know, passionate about a, a, an older time frame of scene music or metal music or metalcore. But again, I didn't see him as like being a bad person or anything like that. And I don't want to say he is a bad person. I just, I think that what happened yesterday was like, again, really unnecessary. And it was just crossing a line. And it's something that you just, you don't do as a, a journalist, as somebody who has a platform and people could, you know, potentially listen to. He wrote this article from Metal Hammer, and it was the 10 best songs from the worst metalcore bands, which is a really, really strange um, approach to anything. Like, um, you're complimenting these bands, sure, while also putting them down in such a, uh, such a, a dickhead fashion, honestly, and... You know, the arguments he presented in there were so rooted in opinion and not something that, like, could actually be taken as fact. And I understand, you know, it's a think piece, whatever. There, there's nothing you can really use as, uh, like, facts to back up what he's saying. But there was just no fucking need for any of that shit. And he, like, stated some incorrect stuff in there, by the way. He mentioned that uh, Caleb Shomo had only joined Beartooth prior to This Means War. Or not, not Beartooth. I'm sorry. Attack, attack. That's not true. Caleb was there for the entire Crabcore run that this guy was making fun of in his little write-up about Attack, attack. And then he also went on to just, you know, completely shit all over bands like We Came as Romans, Falling Universe, 18 Visions. Uh, the We Came as Romans stuff in particular was really, really upsetting just because the like cover image for this article was. A, a promo shot of We Came as Romans back when Kyle Pavone was still alive. And I just feel like, you know, using them as the face of this in particular is really, really gross. And it, it it's clown shit, dog. There's really no way else I can put it. I don't fuck with this at all. I think this was really, really dumb. I'm not saying he is dumb. I'm saying what he did was really, really dumb. Um, It could not have been well thought out, but he also really really didn't care and i'm gonna go ahead and stop talking about it soon because i see that i'm like um you know reaching a 10 minute mark of this episode and i don't want this to be all about elitism and gatekeeping and bullshit like that but i'm just saying that something like that like you need to call it out you you need to stand up against bullshit like that in music media in any kind of media for that matter and the other point that i want to make in talking about all this stuff is establishing that I will never get on this show or use Alterior's social media accounts to spread hate and negativity. If I don't like a song or an album or an EP, I'll express that. But all my argument will be rooted in is just an opinion about the music I'm listening to. I, unless there's a reason for me to like go after you know, a particular person in music, I'm not going to target someone's character because of a song. That's just not fucking cool. I, I can't back that. I, I said, like, I don't support that whatsoever. And I, I I know that on this show before, I did call the most recent Atreyu album garbage. I called the most recent uh, Asking Alexandria album garbage. And I think I felt pretty strongly in my opinion's 
like being negative for those records. I also want everyone to know, like, I didn't say anything bad about like the band members themselves. I didn't say like, oh, like fuck these guys, and if you listen to th- this band or or these records, fuck you too. You're stupid. I never said anything like that. I will never ever say anything like that because that is just so fucking uncalled for, and there shouldn't be a, a, a place for that in this scene of music or any scene of music for that matter. And, you know, I, I'm not perfect. Maybe there will come a a day where I slip up and I get so like emotional over something and I say something that I shouldn't have. If that ever happens, all of you, like all of you listening to this right now, you need to check the fuck out of me. You need to put me in my place. You need to tell me what I did was wrong and it was not cool. And I need to learn a lesson in that instance. So that was just my think piece on that think piece. Now I'm going to move into actually being positive about shit and embracing all of the new releases from last week that I really, really fucked with. And I want to express to everyone listening just how much they meant to me. So to start off with the singles, we got my favorite song from last week, that being the new Whitechapel single, Lost Boy. This also came with the announcement of the new album, Kin, which is out on October 29th. This is the follow-up to The Valley from 2019, which was one of the most surprising releases of that year for myself personally, just because of how different it was from what Whitechapel were doing prior, and just not, not only the departure, but also how successful they were at it, and just how natural that sound felt. Um, and, and Lost Boy... It does kind of continue going down that avenue. The first half of the song primarily would fit into what you'd expect to hear from Whitechapel, although I think even then it is one of the more well-executed like takes on metalcore slash deathcore, whichever you want to say they're actually doing here. And then halfway through the song, it, it scales itself back and you just hear phil bozeman lay over some fucking outstanding cleans it's still so astonishing to me how good he is considering that for a a really really long time my perception of whitechapel was just you know them being a a deathcore band and him only being able to execute deathcore caliber vocals yet with the valley and then now lost boy Phil is really showing that he is one of the most versatile frontmen in the entire scene. And I I, I think it, it's so cool that at, at this stage in Whitechapel's career, you know, coming in quite late, they're able to utilize what has what, what had been up until 2019 pretty much a secret weapon that we didn't fucking know about. And yet here are Whitechapel putting out some of the most compelling tones you can find anywhere in metal or metalcore whichever you want to say is what they're actually doing here and and phil himself is just such a a really interesting person and he has so much to say in his music and if anybody just wants like a clear understanding of exactly who phil bozeman is what he's been through and everything that he pours into his music uh check out an interview on youtube that kelly lamberts did with him it's really really cool sadly we're gonna have to wait just a little bit longer than we expected for the new Don Broco album, Amazing Things. 
But in the meantime, we do have the brand new single off of it called Uber. The record was supposed to have been released September 17th, but because of issues with getting the vinyl pressings in time for that date, the album is now coming out October 22nd. And Broco did that with the mindset of wanting to have all of their fans be able to listen to the album at the same time, regardless of what like medium they chose to listen to it through. And I, I think that's really commendable and... You know, it, it is a shame to have to wait another month, but uh, again, the reason for that, I think it's really cool that they were looking out for their fans in that regard. And to me, it doesn't really matter exactly what point of this year Amazing Things comes out. It is going to be one of the pillar records of the year. I already know that. And yes, that is me displaying a clear bias in favor of Don Broco, but I, I can't lie to anybody. I can't try and hide my belief that they are one of the greatest bands the scene has ever had. Uber contains everything that you would expect from Don Broco. It's not the departure that One True Prince was. This is way more in line with Manchester Superheads and One Fan and Gum Shield and how those songs felt like continuations of what they were going for on technology. So if those like, you know, the riffs and just the bounce and the power behind the instrumentation, if that's what you're after with Don Broco, then you're going to fucking love Uber. Uh, lyrically, the song, you know, goes into the topic of bigotry and more specifically here, racism. And to get that across thoroughly, I'm going to read the entire first verse. Been a long night. I've been out. I've been dealing with the driver who's sorry for my lot because my country got us mixing our blood and it's boiling his blood and that's boiling my blood. He won't shut the fuck up. Tell you I don't give a fuck if the world turns brown. Tell you I don't give a fuck. You pull over right now. Tell me how the fuck you're not afraid to say that kind of shit. Tell me how you feel safe. And th that's a really, really emphatic and powerful and necessary message to get across in a, a song like Uber. It kind of reminds me of Pretty because I know Pretty also went into you know, the topic of like, you know, xenophobia and racism within America at that point in time. And, you know, still to this day, that's a very, um, a relevant issue, unfortunately. And it's cool that a song like Uber by a band like Don Broco can go into that topic and really deliver a message to anyone who might need to hear this and might need that kick in their ass to just get off of their fucking high horse and, understand that like you know people here are are different we're all from different backgrounds and there's not there is no need to an antagonize anybody over something like that all right now i'm about to talk about bill murray and y'all have no idea how long i've been wanting to do that on this show the new song by bill murray featuring jonathan young lord farquadzilla Bill Murray is the goddamn funniest guy in this whole scene, and it's not even close. And before I even get into the song, I want to just briefly go over the music video for this track, because it is everything I could have asked for out of Bill Murray, and just, and then some, you know, like, 
I feel about Bill Murray similarly to what I believe I've said on here before about Einstein kills in the sense of like knowing your audience and knowing what they want and the correlation between what they want and what you yourself as an artist want. But Bill Murray just wants to wow the fuck out and that's exactly what his audience wants to watch him do. So that marriage between the two things is so fucking beautiful and the end result of that uh, connection being a video like Lord Farquaadzilla goes so far in showing one's like, like prowess and understanding of their own branding. And that was a long-winded way of me saying that this music video is just a, a compilation of like uh, anime and, and workout clips and uh, pro wrestling stuff and just, you know, things like that where there's like a competition sense and you have uh, Bill Murray's head plastered on certain uh, figures and then Jonathan Young's head plastered on the opposing side of Bill Murray. And it it's so fucking corny and cheesy and dumb. And I fucking love it, man. It is exceptional. Another outstanding video released by Bill Murray. And then the song Lord Farquaadzilla itself. Incredible track name, by the way. I, I love that so much. Um... It, you know, it, it does what I, it, it's Bill Murray. It has that Bill Murray sound. It, it, even saying that, like the intro, I thought kind of resembled uh, The Weeknd in a way, like that, like really quiet synth pop thing that's going for it that caught me off guard. Uh, but then that pretty quickly evolves into this, you know, powerful, big, catchy chorus that, you know, a Bill Murray fan has come to expect out of his work. And I just, God, this was such a such an achievement last week. This track is so fucking cool. Everything about its packaging works, and I I cannot imagine being a, a Bill Murray fan and not feeling like you got your time worth out of this. With every passing day, we get closer and closer to the brand new Batflower album. This is how the world ends, and we got what I uh, would imagine is the final single before getting the rest of the record. This one is Johnny Wants to Fight. It, it finally hit me on this single what the, not the majority of the direction Bathlar's taking on this record is, but at least like these noticeable elements feel very influenced by Pinkerton by Weezer. And like n knowing that now after hearing Johnny Wants to Fight, or at least like having that perception after hearing this song, it makes a ton of fucking sense why, you know, songs like Johnny Wants to Fight and then also Family feel so like like brooding and weary and just having this lack of energy while also still being so fucking energetic i think badflower are clearly having a lot of fun with this current singles run but they're also just making some fucking points man they are establishing what how this is how the world ends it is going to mean to them and mean to their discography and i I'll, I'll get more into like how I have felt about Bad Flower prior to uh, this album cycle once I get to review the album, but what I will say for now is that Johnny Wants to Fight feel like it fits in with everything that they're doing perfectly. It is a, a, a really cool, catchy song. I, I, I mentioned the, the Pinkerton stuff, and, and that's more so felt in like the verses that have like that slow, almost haunting and, and chilling feel to them. And then when you get to the chorus, it, it just kind of explodes in your face and 
uh, lyrically, it's a really, really good time. If Johnny wants to fight, let him fight. Let him kick some fucking ass into the ground. Like, easy, easy shit to, to sing back to the band at live shows. And I really, really cannot wait to see, like, how receptive audiences are to this new Bathwire material. Because I really think it's the best work of their careers. One of the most intriguing and cool bands in the scene right now, Imminence, have a new single out called Ghost. This is the third single that they've released this year so far off of what is part of a new album cycle, an album that I have heard a release date for, but um, nothing confirmed yet, so I don't want to say anything right now until there's, you know, an actual announcement from the band and their label and and whatnot. Uh, but anyways, this song is fucking incredible, and I... I think Eminem's have done a lot this year to, like, not, I was gonna say really turn me around on them, but I didn't need to be turned around on them. Their last album from two years ago, Turn the Light On, I thought was, like, such an improvement over where they were prior. I, I couldn't get enough of that record. I, I still regularly go back to it, especially, um, what was the song on there? Scars. That song, it, it just, you know, kind of hits everything that I would like for a metalcore to. And uh, on the subject of Ghost, I think, those uh, same notions are accomplished here ghost continues to follow the pattern that imminence have set for themselves and you know part of their identity as being like orchestral metalcore if you want to call it that and just the inclusion of like violins and the way that everything sounds like this like giant symphony while still being so fucking heavy and with the chorus on ghost so fucking catchy at the same time imminence are, are showing this understanding of their identity that is so fucking remarkable and ghost I, I think is the strongest single that they've had so far this year and you know the album that is going to be out before the end of 2021 this is going to be can't miss honestly this is going to be like priority listening for everyone who considers themselves to be fans of metalcore in any sort of capacity so there's this remix that dropped that feels like it was created solely for my own enjoyment, my own satisfaction, and that is the remix of Oh Mommy by Chase Atlantic featuring Maggie Lindemann. Chase Atlantic are one of my favorite bands of all time. Maggie is one of my favorite solo artists of this year. They were both ranked number one at different months in the those monthly recap episodes that I do. So, yeah, I'm going to take credit for this. Um, you're all welcome. All jokes aside, I think I feel similarly about this remix the way that I did the Holy Roller remix last year where Spearbox brought in Ryo Kinoshita from Crystal Lake to do uh, like the bridge on that song. And what I mean by all that is I don't think this remix was exactly necessary. I don't think it was something that like if I never knew that this was in the works, I wouldn't have really lost sleep over it. 
but it's still such a, a welcome addition to my, you know, my regular listening routine. It is a, a remix that I think works so well. Like, if you present this to me on paper, like Chase Atlantic and Maggie Linneman, yes, that is going to work fucking tenfold, dude. And I think Maggie really, really shines on her verse. And the promotion for this, this song was really, really well done because you had Maggie like performing the verse or like giving a preview of the verse on her TikTok. And then from there, the like, like promo shots were coming in for the music video. And then there was a release date announced for it. Or I think actually what they were saying was like, get, um, either like a tweet or the TikTok video to a certain amount of interactions. And then the video slash single would be released. And they obviously follow through and it's just such a, a, a really cool collaboration between two artists who I, I think the world of, is it better than the original? I don't fucking know, man. I don't think that's even really like, um, I, I don't think it matters. I just think this was such a, a really cool moment for a lot of people, myself included. And I'm just happy to have this. New animals as leaders material for the first time in a good minute. We got Monomyth as a single last week. I should also point out that I misspelled this band's name on the graphic for all the singles reviews last Friday. I said that they are animals as leader, not animals as leaders, so let me publicly correct that right now. And I'm saying all that because this band really does deserve their, you know, the proper amount of respect and due credit because they are just this immensely talented outfit that I don't think nearly enough people know about. Um, and I guess, you know, part of that lack of notoriety can come from how long it's been since there was new material from them 2016 was when the madness of many came out and after that it, it was just pretty quiet like for the most part from animals as leaders um so to get a new single from them is, is so welcoming and hearing monomyth they've not lost a fucking step dude they are still everything that i perceive them to be which is just one of the most insane and talented instrumental bands in the world. Um, with Monomyth, Monomyth is actually like a really good starting point with Animals as Leaders. If you've never been exposed to them before, if you've never heard of them before, Monomyth is a great place to start because it has every bit of layering and detail and intricacy that you would come to expect from Animals as Leaders and just the, the, the prowess that each member uh, expresses instrumentally here is, is fucking outstanding and flawless and then the the cohesion with um the triplets on the double bass pedals and then the uh um the strings why was i gonna say percussion the fucking double bass pedal is the percussion i'm uh, i'm delusional now the cohesion between the double pay double paste fuck me dude the cohesion between the double bass and the strings is one of the highlights of the song. I, I think it's what the song is built around. And it, it, it's just like, it, to me, it's impossible to hear this and not just like be so enamored by what you're listening to and wondering like, how the fuck are they doing this? Because it is just quality material from a quality band. 
And now the final single that I will be going in depth on on this episode comes from Void of Vision and it is The Lonely People. This is the absolute best that this band has ever sounded, in my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm not late to Void of Vision, but I likely am late to the bandwagon. They had a record out two years ago called Hyper Days, and then a couple months ago put out a redux of it that featured um, a different scene vocalist on every track. And it was a really cool concept, and I thought it was well executed. I would also um, be lying if I didn't say that Every now and then I forget it even came out. But there is no chance that I forget about The Lonely People anytime soon. This song just about knocked me on my fucking ass. It absolutely just took the breath out of me. I, I could not believe the the level of expertise that was displayed by Void of Vision on this song. And I'm not saying that because I didn't expect that they you know, could fulfill their potential that's what i was hoping for the entire time but to actually hear on the lonely people what void of vision sound like at their best was so rewarding and i cannot get enough of this song it is just in your face and brutal and heavy while still having a lot of rhythm to it like this song is catchy despite being so ferocious and i am so appreciative of what void of vision were able to accomplish on the lonely people so now I'm quickly going to mention the rest of the singles from last week that I liked. And uh, there's, it, there's quite a few of them, so just bear with me. Let's take a little bit of time. ILY, How Are You? and IDC, I Can't Take It by As It Is. Colony 3 by Blood Youth. Hot Demon Bitches Near You by Corpse featuring Night Level. Slave of Chaos by Crossfaith. Shut Up by Death Blooms featuring Wargasm. Bad For Me by Death By Romy. Temporary High by Empty. Blue Herd by Erase Them. Nothing Beats Like a Heart by Escape Plan and The Midnight. We Got The Moves by Eskimo Callboy. Thunder In Our Hearts by Hawthorne Heights. Split Personality by Hot Milk. Fearless by Josh A. featuring Sufferinit. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Talk About It by Lower Definition. Slither by Memorist. Down by Modson featuring Travis Barker. Dead Funk by Notions featuring Do Not Resurrect. Albatross by Sentinels. Yesterday Felt Warmer by Sarasafe. Numb by Siamese. House of Mirrors by Soft Cult. Queen Sophie for President by The World is a Beautiful Place and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die. Ella by Two Feet. Tidal Wave Fortress Theme by Uplate. Hey Kid by Varia. Or Varia. That's actually an interesting name. And I Need You More Than You Know by Whatever Forever. This was another week where there wasn't a single that I didn't fuck with or I thought was like even remotely close to being boring. So that's great. I, I've said before, I enjoy 
enjoying shit when it comes to music. So yeah, let's uh let's keep it up. Now I'm gonna get into records. There were only four of them last week. Uh three were albums, one was an EP, and I'm gonna go ahead and start off with that single EP, and that was Spectrum by Mosaic. So I first heard about Mosaic a little over three years ago, and I was actually watching Angels of Death on Crunchyroll, and I wasn't paying for like the premium service on there because I'm cheap as fuck, so I had ad breaks you know, every now and then on episodes, and one of the ad breaks, for whatever reason, was a like a small clip of what was at the time Mosaic's latest single, Playing With Fire, I believe that's what it was called, and I was just like really, really taken aback by it, and I kind of... You know, have just been paying attention to Mosaic ever since then. And then, so getting to talk about Spectrum right now, I, I feel like this, like, elation within me because I think I have the chance right now to sell everyone listening to this on Mosaic with the assumption that none of you listening right now have ever heard of them before. Mosaic are fucking cool. They have, like, that, like, new age post-hardcore sound going for them. I, I would say they're comparable to what you would hear off of, like, slaves or uh too close to touch but then there are also some swan core vibes going on here and particularly with the song intentions I- intentions came so fucking close to being named my favorite song last week like y'all really don't even know and just full transparency i normally do the singles and records reviews while sitting down at starbucks so on fridays i'll go and do the singles reviews and then saturday i'll dedicate time to listening through all the records and putting those graphics up on social media uh, so I'm sitting at Starbucks, I'm listening to Spectrum all the way through to review it. I honestly, and I never like doing this, but I stopped in the middle of the EP to keep listening to Intentions over and over and over again. I I had to have listened to that song for like hours on Saturday. It was genuinely one of the coolest things I've heard in a minute. Um, I, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite Mosaic song. I, I think Playing With Fire still holds a really special place in my heart, but... For what it is, intentions, it's just everything that I could ask for from what is already like an amalgamation of, amalgamation of post-hardcore and, and swancore. And then just, you know, blending those two things together. And I know they're kind of the same. Well, not kind of. They very much are still the same thing. But I'm talking about like, you know, let's say what I said about Slaves and Tickles Touch. Put like Dance Gavin Dance or Wolf and Bear little instrumentation quirks into those like soaring choruses and great rhythms and you have intentions, and I cannot get enough of that song. And then every other present track is just as effective, in my opinion. Like, I can't really, uh, you know, I could never see myself listening to, like, Solitude or Day by Day and not just, like, nodding my head to the courses on there and, and being captured by how infectious they are and also the, the range of emotion that resonates through those tracks. It, it is so immeasurable, and I... I really, really cannot say enough good things about the experience I had listening to Spectrum. Overboard has like this real jazz influence going for it in, in the verses. And then what I've already said about the choruses and the other songs is very much so present here. It just, it, it bursts and it gets stuck in your head. And just everything about the, like the four original songs on this EP are, are so just, like I'm running out of things to say about it because I just, I feel like I'm just going to reiterate myself and say, like, this EP is amazing. This EP is outstanding. It's flawless. But I genuinely think it's all those things. I was 
so, so happy with the end results of Spectrum and the, the fact that, or the belief now that, like, um, like riding with Mosaic this whole time and paying attention to them and, and spreading their name as much as I can is paying off. And I'm so happy to know that, like, they are everything that I've ever believed they are. The other two songs on the EP are Lifeless, or the Black Ones remix of Lifeless, I should say. Lifeless was a standalone single by Mosaic uh, early in 2020, and then this Black Ones remix just takes what was already a great song and, and blends it into this like really cool, you know, like dance and EDM inspired track. And I just think it, it is like a real treat. And it wasn't needed on the EP, but it, it's really cool that it's still there. And then the acoustic version of Day by Day, which features Johnny Marie, and that acoustic version hits just as hard as the original song itself does, in my opinion. And, you know, like, taking all six of these songs, or like four, and then sort of two if you want to go down that route, uh, but just taking everything that's on this EP, and you have a, a winning formula, in my opinion, I think... This is absolutely what Mosaic needed. I, I do not know the reach that this EP is going to have, but whatever the reach ends up being, it is not enough. Everyone needs to hear Mosaic. Everyone needs to be talking about Mosaic. And in a perfect world, this band would be next up in the scene. So like I said, there are three albums to talk about. Two of them are kind of similar and have like some connecting threads between them. And then one of them is vastly different than the other two. I'm going to go ahead and start with that one. And that is Melancholia by Dead Awake. I think I've proven in past reviews to be a little bit harsh towards metalcore. And not because I don't like metalcore. I love the genre. I I would not be doing this podcast right now if it wasn't for metalcore, but I, I do acknowledge that there are a lot of metalcore releases that you know get kind of get lost in the shuffle and they blend in with each other. And uh, I'm not going to say names, but there are metalcore records I reviewed on this show before that I can't really tell you anything about. I know I talked about them at length on here before, but I don't remember what they sounded like. I don't really remember remember much from them. Um. I feel very confident when I say that Melancholia is not going to be in that category. What's presented on this record is some of the most interesting tones for any metalcore release of the year so far. I would say even if you throw in what the genre brought forth in 2020, you can still say that Melancholia has something to it that very few, if any, other releases did. And that was something that was established pretty early on. I would say the two lead singles for this record, The Gallows 3 and Introspection and Loathing, they really showed what all of Melancholia was going to be in the sense that those two songs just, they're so full of just this raw energy and these gnarly fucking breakdowns, gnarly riffs, just everything about those two songs like really, really emphasizes how or, or like what this direction of metalcore entails. And I guess you could also say that there's like deathcore influences in it. I liken this record to maybe like a combination of the last three Chelsea Grin albums. It has like those, um, those instrumentation choices that are, you know, kind of out there and kind of awkward at times, but they all come full circle. They all come back into the main picture and everything makes sense in the end. And even if like, you yourself as a listener get lost somewhere along the way everything makes sense by the end of a track 
even if you were to just listen to the intro song, which is uh, appropriately named The Beginning, you instantly get an idea there of what this record is going to sound like, and you can use that as, I guess, like the like the scale to judge how you would feel going into Melancholia and if it's something that you think you can fuck with. And throughout all this metalcore and deathcore adoration that I've been presenting for Dead Awake, there are two tracks on this record that are just incredibly different from anything else, and for different reasons for that matter. There is Intermission, which is like literally what it says. It's an intermission from everything that's happening. It's an interlude song. There are no vocals. It's not metalcore or deathcore. It's this uh, like electronic backed track that like just gives you some time to breathe. It, maybe it's a little bit too long for something like that. It's around like the two minute, 30 second mark, I believe. Um, and you know, d- does an interlude have to be that long? No, probably not. But the entire time I was listening to it on my initial listen of this record, I was just pretty captivated by that song because of like its ability to just give you a break and allow you that time to reflect on everything that you've heard up to that point and then the closing song posthumous it it's very very heavy in a lot of the instrumentation choices but at the same time there's like some melody to it and melody that is not present on any of the other songs here and it just feels so like atmospheric and giant and like as if like you know, you were looking up at the sky and one second it's just fucking pouring rain and then literally a second later without a proper transition, it's just like these bright skies and I'm not making much sense, but like that's just the, that's what I visualize when I hear posthumous. I think of like, you know, apocalypse and hope coming together to form one track and that is an incredible sensation that I really was not expecting by the time I finished Melancholia. And I really think Melancholia has a much better chance of like standing the test of time compared to a lot of the metalcore records that I've reviewed on this platform throughout all of 2021. I think it's going to age very, very well. I, it's been a week or almost a week. I have not gotten bored of this album yet. And that is more than I can say about certain other metalcore records from this year. Melancholia succeeds in everything that it attempted to do. And then some, I love this record. I think it is one of the standouts of the genre this year and i would just hope that everybody who clamors for metalcore and metalcore like all fucking day they listen to this record and i would hope it's everything that they would want for it to be and now the record i'm about to talk about i i don't know how it constitutes as a record because it only has seven songs but the band identifies it as a record so i'm going to go off of what they say uh, we got Nervous Reaction by Homesafe. I mentioned earlier at, at length about Mosaic and their e- endeavors with post-hardcore. Homesafe is also grounded in in a sector of post-hardcore, but different from Mosaic, this post-hardcore is more along the lines of, like, that kind of, like, stuff that's influenced by indie and more, like, you know, dreary stuff, and I think Homesafe fucking execute that sound to perfection. And I, I guess another way to phrase all that would be to say that Homesafe resembles pop-punk, but not, like, so much the, like, just, you know, generic cookie-cutter stuff that pop-punk 
has a tendency to sometimes give us. Uh, home safe, they, they play it smart. They, they have something to say. And I think instrumentally as well as lyrically, these like concepts on nervous reaction are really shine through in a way that I wasn't necessarily expecting because I wasn't, you know, overly familiar with home safe prior to my listening ex- experience with nervous reaction. And the, the opening song, which is also the title track, I think that's a good, summarization of what is to come for the rest of the record it's you know a little bit fast-paced very energetic there's a lot of life happening there and it's layered in ways that are able to give you that understanding that home safe is a very special band the second song coming clean is another instance of what i've what, what i was trying to get across about layers and like how that song it has its moments where it can be you know a little bit more aggressive a little bit heavier and then scale things back to be kind of pop bass or pop punk bass i mean and then the closing portion of that song is acoustic it, it's just like all these sounds coming together to craft what is such an excellently produced and constructed piece of work that I I know not enough people are going to get to listen to, and that's a fucking shame because this really should be on more people's radars. Fade Out is not necessarily a slow song. I definitely wouldn't call it that, but it is slower than what was um, heard on the on the record prior. And then everything kind of like goes back to normal with Locked Up in a Way, which has one of the brightest courses on the entire record, and, and really that course is one of the standout moments. I would say. Give It Away has some grunge vibes to it, and I think that does a good job in giving that song its own identity. Uh, With You follows a, a little bit of the pattern that I've already expressed for this record, and it is so just catchy, and it feels massive, and the the hook is there, it, it does everything it needs to. And then you get to the closing track, Old Soul, which is my favorite song off of the whole album. It was one of my favorite songs for all of last week. I I've listened to it so many fucking times since then, I don't see how... It doesn't finish September being one of my most played songs of the month. That's another song that has like a 90s feel to it and that would uh, cross over into the early 2000s, I would say. It's just such a, such a feel good song and uh, like, like it, it brightens my mood, honestly. Like just hearing it and, and just like closing my eyes and like picturing, um, like grassy fields and, and like a, a sunrise and you know i'm not i'm not an outdoors person i don't really fuck with nature like that but just like i could get lost in some a setting like like um like what i just described hearing this song and, and feeling like i'm at peace and maybe that's like a weird way to describe all this but that's just how i felt listening to old soul it really really captured me and was able to like give me this vivid imagination of the ideal setting for when li- where to listen it to where to listen to it to I really need to stop doing that. Um, and, and that kind of does wrap up what I want to say about Nervous Reaction and how I just think that Homesafe, they, whatever they set out to do with this record, I would imagine they achieved that. I would hope that they, as artists, are very happy with what they crafted because I, as a listener and consumer, am more than happy with what I received off of Nervous Reaction. Last record of the week, and I, I guess also my favorite uh, simultaneously uh, Coming Down by Jail Socks kind of 
The biggest comparison and also compliment that I can possibly make for this record, and this was evident to me as soon as I started listening to the opening song Caving In, would be that this record reminds me of like a popular movement, and I guess more specifically movement on No Good Left to Give. It, it just has like those, um, not dark necessarily, but like just those, um, there is a sense of like despair within, um, the the tones of this record both lyrically and sonically and i think uh adding that like slight pop punk flair to what is happening here really works heavily in in jail socks favor i can't really recall hearing a record like this you know for all of 2021 and even if i did there's no way it stuck with me the way that i really believe coming down is going to the second song, Losing Everything, takes what I just said about caving in and really accentuates all of those ideas. Um, just to read off like a, a verse here from Losing Everything. You think I learned from past mistakes, and yet all this self-pity and doubt lingers coiled in my head. I keep pushing the blame, hoping for anything. It's all just the same. Am I too eager to find another easy way out? Am I losing my mind? And, you know, hearing the... The delivery uh, on vocals for that, and I should just go ahead and check who Jail Sock's vocalist is because, you know, this is the time to give him his credit. Um, n- not only for the way that he delivers um, these lines, but also just the, the the efficiency in his lyricism is fucking outstanding. And I want to I wanna make sure I do this right. Um, Aiden Yo, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. Aiden Yo, you are a fucking mastermind, dude. Like... I could not put losing everything down like that song just really really grabbed me and I I could not stop listening to it and and I thought like okay if this is as good as it gets then that's exceptional I'm happy and then it goes into spinning which like okay it goes into spinning and then point pleasant so the, uh I'm just all over the place now what I was trying to say was losing everything spinning point pleasant that three song stretch tracks two three and four on this record that is one of the strongest three song stretches i have heard on an album this year and in a long fucking time and i'm not doubting the possibility of history being a factor in this that three song stretch just it tells you everything that you need to know about this record and more importantly everything about who jail socks are i'm also saying now that aiden's pronouns are they them and i think i referred to them as he or him or his just now so uh that's my bad i apologize i had also said earlier that coming down at least to me and what i was able to perceive uh it resembles no good left to give but like with more of a like a pop punk flair to it uh there are three songs on here that i would say like really sound like they you know could have just been pulled out of um no good left to give or like pulled out of or like put in, in in that album and it wouldn't have felt out of place uh, Pale Blue Light, More Than This, and the closing track coming down. Those three songs just, you know, they have like that, that real emo flair to them. And just like, um, I, I think I mentioned like, you know, despair earlier. And you can pick up those tones like immensely on those three songs, as well as the rest of the record for that matter. Um, and even if tracks like Pale Blue Light and, uh, Peace of Mind, those, you know, feel like more e- energetic and fast-paced they still are able to get across everything that you can hear through the lyricism of coming down um it's not like a 
it, it's not like a, a a lifting record. It's not meant to lift your spirits necessarily. It kind of just it, it's it, it's the gray area of life, and I really really appreciate there being an album for me to review like that because um you know not like getting personal about anything, but like I'm able to hear a lot of songs on coming down and just like sit with these emotions and, and feel these songs and understand that like man music is fucking cool because like when you get to listen to an album like coming down and you just feel everything like every note every line it, it's one of the coolest feelings in the world and i just am so thankful for a record like this existing and for me to have taken the initiative to start a platform where i can come on here and talk about coming down and hopefully inspire at least one person to give this album a chance who, who didn't plan on doing so initially because I think Coming Down is a work of art. It is 100% one of the best albums I've heard all year. I, it, it, everything about it just speaks to me, and I, I feel privileged, honestly, to have been able to hear it. And that's it. That was every single album and EP from last week that I had to talk about. And I, I was gonna like maybe save this for the beginning of next week's episode, but because I already mentioned earlier the new release date for Amazing Things by Don Broco, I'll just go ahead and quickly uh, address it. I said in a previous episode that my plan was to uh, make an episode for September 17th where I review just Eternal Blue by Spirit Box, Amazing Things by Don Broco, and Swan Song by The Plot and You. So clearly that's not happening anymore, or at least it's not happening with Amazing Things um, in that lineup. I have considered the possibility of still doing that episode, but instead of Amazing Things, I talk about The Architect by Idola, and I, I'm i not sure if that's going to happen or not. I, I felt more strongly about that happening with Don Broco, but, um, you know, that Idola record is going to be something really special too, and I guess it would also depend on what else is coming out that day. I know there's a Thrice record, and there's other stuff that I either forgot about or I don't know about yet, so... You know, we're just going to have to kind of wait and see and assess the situation and see if I believe that Friday episode would would be worth uh, the investment as, as the lineup for September 17th stands currently. But yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out later. And I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and get off of this now. I'll leave y'all be. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, for better or worse... Let's make a scene.